And all so mellow Trying to remember The kind of September When grass was green And the grain was yellow Try to remember The kind of September When you were tender And callow fellow Try to remember And if you remember Then follow For deep in December It's nice to remember Although you know The snow will follow Deep in December It's nice to remember Without a hurt The heart is hollow Deep in December It's nice to remember The fire of September That made us mellow Deep in December It's nice to remember And a Listening to the World Football Program with all the latest updates from both local and international football.
morning, WA, and what a wonderful Saturday morning it is. Uh, we're in stage three of our COVID uh, lockdown, and what does that mean for us? It means community football, and football is back. And uh, I think we've all been hanging out for that. Um, join me in the studio today is the COVID king, Don Evans. Good morning. Mate, it hasn't got me yet. Don't worry. I'm a survivor like the rest of us, so uh, great to be here, Sean. And, um, you know, what, a, what an amazing weather pattern we've had as well for this time of the year. Just glorious weather. And, uh, yeah, the sun shines oh, the, on WA, doesn't it? I, I must admit, I, there was a picture you posted last night of a sunset that just sums up WA. It's just beautiful. It's Perth paradise. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, talking of paradise, we're talking all things football today. And joining us on the air today will be... Uh, Steve McGarry from Perth Glory talking about uh, the MPL COVID season and how that's going to look. And uh, we might catch up with him and see what's happened to the um, committee that he was in looking at the the national committee, looking at the MPL. Um, just like know if that's stalled or whether it's gone on. Rob Sherman was driving that. Obviously, Rob's gone. Um, Derek Pollock will join us. Derek Pollock is our EPL specialist and uh, I must admit, I've switched off a bit since the the break, um, so I'm looking forward to see what uh, Derek can tell us about the the return to football in England. Just hope we don't get relegated, Sean. That's all. Absolutely, it's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that matters. Um, Greg Farrell, sponsor uh, West Coast Futsal, um, and obviously with the changes now, I believe that they can have indoor sport as well. So you know, the boys have been championing a bit to get uh, their business up and running, and I think you know this is the thing now for people who own a business. Um, we're going to get them running. I noticed a couple of cafes on my way in that they were just absolutely full. They had people outside them. It's great to see people supporting. Their local businesses yeah. and I think you know that's the important part that we do go back and support those people and then at the end we'll follow up with Phil Kelly who is the chair of the State League Standing Committee been a lot on the interwebs about um, Football West's plan for the return to football um, talking about lack of engagement uh, with the, the football teams or the State, State League Standing Committees um, Phil tells the truth behind that because uh, that's his business is um, myth busting and uh, he'll tell them exactly <laughs> what's happened behind the scenes and I think it's important that we all know that what has happened and, and we'll also look at what's going what will happen going forward um you know the the world keeps changing and last this time last week we couldn't have people in the club rooms now we can um what does that mean for clubs financially etc and the limits that we've got to follow and the covid cleaning and all those other things that the fact, that fact news with. is what we want uh, Sean, absolutely not, not fact fake news. news fact news now talk about facts. Fact and happy news. Uh, one of our team, a regular contributor to the program and a, a, a great fan of football, even though she is a fan of Melbourne Victory, Donna Gouffray, yes. has made an announcement that she is with child for yeah. the second, her second Bubby's on the way. Congrats to the, Congrats to yeah. the, the Gouffray family. Yeah. Um, can't think of it. Lovely a couple to get the, the, the gift of a kid. That's it. It's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. Um, and happy birthday, or a belated happy birthday to Ron Adair, who was uh, 89 on June the 2nd. Wow. A state legend, um, was in the, the legends team. So, you know, uh, we've got to recognise those people when they are in the 89. Yeah, you know, going strong. Go, still going strong. Yep. Um, Liverpool relegated. Ooh, really? Yeah. Women's Super League. <laughs> the Women's Super League has been decided on a points-per-game basis. Yep. And, and as a result, Liverpool have been relegated. They, they, 
We're in the in the risk of going down. I think they were second or third from bottom, but no, they're gone. I'm sure Liverpool fans will cope uh, as long as they take the title with the boys, mate. <laughs> yeah. On the plus side, though, um, Chelsea, who were second to Man City on a points per game si- system, have won the Women's Super League, which means Sammy Kerr is now um, holding an English Championship medal. Mm-hmm. So way to go, Sammy! And both those teams, Manchester City and Chelsea, will be in the. Um, so the European Super League next year. So wow. they've done well done to all, and nice to see our Sammy with another gong round her neck. Yes, that she's had an amazing last few years, that's for sure. Oh, look, and I think it'll only get better if she's playing on that European circuit with, yeah. with the European oh. Championship League. She, it was what she needed. It's shine time yeah. for the girl. Absolutely. Um, and in sad news, um, being confirmed this week that Greg Wootrick is no longer a glory player. Hmm. Um, what happened there, Sean? He uh, just basically out of contract, or well, when when the COVID kicked in, he yeah. was out of contract. He's gone back to Holland. There was obviously some things back in Holland he needed to attend to. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's happened, but yeah, if he hadn't been offered another contract, mm-hmm. um, we'll um, we'll see what happens. But you know, a great contributor for this season. It, my pick for the most glorious player of the year, actually. Yeah, I thought he just blossomed, you know, as he got the hang of uh, football down under. He, uh, he, he came uh, came out as like a rock in that defence. Absolutely, and just all class. And, you know, yeah. we'll miss him, but, um, you know, it gives an opportunity now for someone else to step up as we go into the A-League hub. So that would be a very interesting... Um, well, will Glory be in recruitment mode to uh, fill that gap? Well, when we talk to Steve, we'll find out because they might have a young kid stepping up who might raise the chance. Who yeah, knows? Might be ready for it, yeah. And uh, just got a text message from a listener who says that uh, Sam is currently isolated in a hotel in Perth, so uh, hopefully she's on the show listening. Good on you. Yeah, no, look. Tune in, Sammy. Yeah, we'll absolutely. Give you another plug. She's uh, <laughs> no look. When you come to stars of the game in this country, Jeez. I know people talk about Viduka and Kiel. Uh, neither of those were, were ever in the top ten players in the world. Sammy is. Sammy is uh, the biggest ambassador ever for women's football, and yeah, I'll go, go as far as saying men too. Absolutely. Yeah, well, when you look at it, the I think in the the shirt sales over the last couple of years. Um, she was second or third in, in yep. shirt sales. Yep. You, you've got to go. That's yeah. c- coming from the, the women's league yep. and selling more shirts than most of the, the, the marquee players in the A-League. Yeah. Well done. Look, uh, the, the way she handled the world stage when she went to the States and played over there, it was like she was just you know in her glory over there, just ripped it apart. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I think people like her honesty. When yeah. when she's interviewed, there's none of that pretentious stuff that you nah, get with. No, nah, she's, she's a down-to-earth girl. She hasn't uh, let the... Uh, fame get to her and uh, that's why we love her so much absolutely so that's really it on the news front um german leagues are still going um but everything else is unraveling now and i think you know going forward um be looking forward to seeing how the a-league pans out i don't quite know how that's going to go with the tv deal although there is talk of them now doing their own broadcasting and selling out to one of the um, streaming networks. Yeah, that that will be a big. Uh, uh, let's call it uh, directional um, uh, shift for. It's a quantum uh, shift. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Shift. I mean, I think if you if you look at it for basketball in America, it's worked. And yep. I think if you get the right people involved, and you know, there's there's plenty of good football journalists around. When you look at uh, Garby, Garby yeah, Simon yeah. Hill, yep. um, and a few others. 
to, to get those guys together and go, right, here's your opportunity now to mm. to basically blank check the whole thing and go, right, you drive this and yep. make it the way you're not going to be restrained by Fox or Optus or anybody else. We we actually need you guys to promote this product. Yep, yep. No, that's 100% right. I'm just uh, – I got distracted just looking at uh, an article from Football Victoria. So when we start talking to uh, our guests, uh, there's some interesting stuff that they've implemented to uh, get the, the competition back up and running, including some fee relief and refund proposals. Uh, yeah. Reductions. It's and, interesting because uh, all yeah. of that stuff – I've been looking at the Football West uh, – sorry, the Lottery Commission stuff, a yeah. lot of it yeah. we, we haven't qualified for up until yeah. now. Now there's some stuff out there, but again, yep. there's not a lot out there for clubs. No, and that's that's where it'll be uh, good to talk to young Alex Novatsis and get uh, a little bit of insight when he comes on. He's not coming on. We've, he's not. He's not in our guest list. Oh, rats! Alex, ring up now. <laughs> <laughs> but if Alex wants to ring him, we'll, we'll we'll always talk to Alex. Next. Yeah, unfortunately. Okay, next time. But there, we, we've got plenty of people there. We've got uh, Steve McGarry, who will oh, certainly Steve, have yeah. a. Yep. An input to it, and I know at the and, end, Phil and, will. So, and young Phil, that's yeah. Right. yeah. All right, we'll Good be stuff. back after these messages, and uh, we'll be talking to Steve McGarry. Oh, give me land, lots of land under starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Oswest Fencing and Royal Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The Oswest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at oswestfencing.com.au That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au Do you want better strata management? Put Prosperity Strata Management at the top of your list. We provide a flat competitive fee with no extra or hidden charges. We provide value for money repairs with contractor prices reviewed regularly. And we provide prompt professional service with 30 years experience, which is why our clients recommend us. Your property is our concern. See prosperitystratamanagement.com.au Station Sponsor. Hi, I'm Miranda Templeman. The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keep in touch through FaceTime and watch classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are in the studio every Saturday from 10am to 12pm. We appreciate your support. Stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Uh, that was young Miranda there with a, a note for COVID. What she says there about looking back through the old footage of stuff, I mean, obviously watching a lot of the old Hammers stuff, oh, but there was there was um, a lot of the old glory days there. And I remember watching a game where Robbie Fowler scored a hat trick mm. and in there was our next guest and he had hair. <laughs> <laughs> Steve McGarry, good Handsome morning. Steve How McGarry. are you? <laughs> good morning, gentlemen. How are you guys? Good. Um, just good going back through those old, um, footage of the glory games, and they said there was a, a game there where Robbie Fowler scored a hat trick, and you had hair. <laughs> That's what happens when uh, you're out in the sunshine for too long, it disappears. <laughs> Absolutely, but uh, some things don't, and your skill and your talent don't disappear. So uh, good on you. Um, how have you been coping through the COVID uh, crisis yourself? Um, oh, I'm, 
to be honest, I'm, I'm doing pretty positive. Sort of kind of have a try to have a bit of a positive outlook on the situation. I think um, you guys would obviously know the situation at the, at the club where where everyone has been uh, stood down. Yeah. Um, but over obviously at the last couple of weeks, um, you know, there's been some movement in terms of the the boys coming back to training um, shortly and the, and the league recommencing. Um, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we get some final some final details around that in the next week or so. And, and also, um, yeah, the, the academy started back up and running. The junior academy's up and back up and running this week. So no, it's been good good this week to get back on the grass. But yeah, and in the in the sort of kind of the period where it was downtime, it wasn't really downtime. Um, you know, we still had you know you know between about hundred, we've got over a hundred academy kids across the board from twelves all the way through to the the senior MPL, and we had to um, manage those guys and and give them out home programs where they were working on you know whether it be you know skill development, they were working on their conditioning, they were doing performance analysis. So yeah, it wasn't it was a little bit different. So in terms of um, not being on the grass and not actually being out there coaching, there was plenty of stuff to keep to keep myself and the other coaches pretty busy. Absolutely, I suppose the the difference uh, when you look at what Gloria are doing and what the the other clubs are doing is you're, you're running an elite program where these players are, are training more than just the twice a week for an hour and a half. They're you know yep. basically all day every day, mm. and um, it's just keeping that up. and And I'm glad to hear that you've had some home programs and and the analysis stuff is 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 underrated, but it's very important that players get to see their own performances and you know the the analysis of it so that they can yep. improve when they go out. Yeah, not a hundred percent. And and listen, like you said, with the boys are you know the senior academy lads. They're they're on the field four four times a week, uh, and that's just um, you know the technical technical tactical um, conditioning element. And then they've also got a couple of gym sessions to top that up. And the junior the junior kids they've also got four four sessions plus a game. So it was just trying to get the balance right for them um, and keeping them up you know up to speed, but also. You know, we also sort of kind of, you know, we, we, we sort of kind of changed it. You know, the first three or four weeks, it was very prescribed. Yeah. And, and sort of like we gave them everything and we, we flipped it. We flipped it on, and, and you know, round and, and we made it, gave the players a little bit more ownership. So I think it was good for them to try and, you know, use the structure that we'd given them to then go and be creative, create their own skills, do their own conditioning, whether that be, you know, it might be a swim, a bike ride, you know, and I think it was good for them to spend some time with their, you know, their family every every night of the week. The junior kids are out on the training field, or they're in the gym, or they're doing their skill development. So it was good to get. I think it was good for them to get a little bit of balance and enjoy some family life and home life and and catch up in their and catch up in their studies as well. So yeah. um, no, it's been it's been good. It's been interesting. Um, the coaches as well. We've been trying to keep them, you know, um, sort of kind of. Because you know, you know when, when trainers not on, they go, what, "What do the coaches do?" We've been doing a lot of CPD yeah. stuff, so we've been doing a lot of analysis stuff and mm. looking at best practice from all over the world. And, and it's been great from our point of view. We've touched base with loads of different academies, you know, all over the world, mm. yeah. Um, just to try and you know learn and develop and, and build relationships. So from that point of view, point of view, it's been really good. 
And I think anyone that's not involved in, in football or not in, involved to the degree that you are thinks that the, the coaching is just, you know, the, the game on a Saturday afternoon. Um, it doesn't matter what level you coach at, whether it's amateurs, um, state league or A-league. It's a seven-day-a-week business. You've got uh, players that phone you up who, who, who need a cuddle over the phone and, you know. Well, I was going to say that was yeah. probably one of the most important things during this uh, downtime, the, uh, the, the men- connection mental health. And the I mean, connection it, with the club. Yeah, keeping yeah keeping the spirits of the young fellas up and keeping them uh, focused. And like you said, Steve, it's so important to be a positive person like you are and, and you you know, th- that permeates through to the young kids and uh, and they they don't get uh, d- disappointed or depressed or feeling down because they've, you're giving them things that um, they can get on with and, um, and and get ready for the day to get back out there. Oh, the look, field. and I think when you look at it from the perspective of these kids, they, yeah. these kids from 12 upwards yeah. are, are geared towards a, a career path which hopefully makes them a professional footballer yep. and when football is the be all and, and end all and, and these kids are driven it's not it's not like a two two day a week commitment it's a seven day a week commitment you're living it that you're living it and then all of a sudden that plug's just been pulled yeah and it's it's so important that whilst you, you say the home life balance is important it's yep. also important to know that the club's still there yep. that although okay, your, yeah. your development has been stalled a little bit it's still going on and we're still committed yeah yeah, and it's, it's just exactly what Don said. Again, the situation arose, and none of us have ever been through a situation like this, and no. and you guys as well. So it's you know we, we it was great. We've got a real good group of coaches and and all the support staff, the S and C, the physios, and the goalkeeping coaches. They, you know everyone had their, their input into these programs, but the biggest one that Don mentioned there was just about keeping them connected. Mm. So the coaches were going on and utilising. Uh, the Zoom calls and being online, so mm. the coaches have been doing a fantastic job in terms of yeah, even just little things. So even it might just be a catch up to say like how's everyone doing in terms of their, their home program and they're doing their skill, their daily skill challenges, and then on the weekend we'd have little um, little competitions, little challenges. We actually mm. we actually we actually had a couple of good uh, little competitions against different academies from different parts of the UK. As well, so that was really good. But yeah, it's all the a biggest thing, like I mentioned, was just just being connected, and yeah. some of the coaches were just touching base and having a quiz night, you know. So yeah. the the kids were getting involved; they were still, you know, talking and communicating with their teammates, or still talking to their coach, and a few parents get involved as well. So no, I think from a culture point of view, I think it was really good, and you know, I think the um, the coaches deserve you know plenty of plaudits for that. We've got a real good group of coaches who. They've done a great job. Absolutely. Now, going forward, we're, we're now looking at a, a very changed season. Um, so we've got, what, 11 games um, where you play through the round one, then split into a top six, bottom six situation with no relegation. So how does that change your approach to the season? I think for a, a development league or a development coach, um, a great opportunity to blood kids that you probably, if you're hanging out for a result, you wouldn't be doing. Um, listen, it doesn't change too much from us, you know. It's bit, you know, we try and you know our our you know outcome for these players is to become professional footballers, and if we can guide them on that way, so it's it's you know a fantastic tool that we've managed to you get in a league and we're playing against men every week. Um, so I, I guess nothing changes too much. It's just about you know preparing in, in the right 
the manner and coming up with difficult, you know, coming up against a different and difficult challenge every week. Mm. You know, by the, the we we played a round a round one fixture and get turned over five 0 by Guelph. Yeah. Now I'm led to believe round one doesn't count anymore, so that's <laughs> that's a bonus. Cause that <laughs> yeah. But you know what? It was a really good learning curve this year. If you yeah. look at if you look at the ages of what we've obviously. We we've got to play our group under twenties. That's part of our um, commitment to being in the league. We've got to have an under twenty squad. This if is you a... look at that. Sorry, if you look uh... at that squad, it's a really it's it's a really young squad this year. We've got yes. so I guess not having promotion relegation might take that little bit of pressure off the kids a little bit. So, um, but, but either way, you know, the guys need to go in and learn to play well, but also learn to play. They learn to win games because ultimately, oh, yeah. when they step into that professional environment, where the pressure's on and the demands that they win, win games, and you've got to be relentless and you've got to get three points every week, yeah. they've got to learn that sort of kind of mentality as well. So but the it's, last, it's good, good to get the balance. The last couple of seasons, uh, Glory have done extremely well. They've got some players that've been in the program for a long time, and that, that was a fruition of a five-year program. It, it appears to me that you're back at the start of that five-year program again with a, a a new flush of kids coming through. And I, what I'm, I'm saying is that towards the end of the season, if you're in the the bottom four. Um, you would have to make some choices because I, I imagine being relegated is not an option for you between leaving a young kid out there to get the experience and bringing in someone with a bit more experience that probably won't learn as much, but you you, know, you don't want to lose those points or you need to win, seriously win these games or lock them in so that you don't get relegated. Yeah, no, listen, that's, that's a good and valid point, Sean. I think um, it's... You know, it does alleviate that sort of kind of problem where you have to win every single week because it is a tough league and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, quality, you know, footballers out there and a lot of quality managers who are, you know, I'm sure it'll be a, I'm sure it'll be a you know, a, a tough a tough game, a tough league again when, when yeah. we get up and running. But I think it just sort of, kind of takes away that pressure. So, you know, and we don't put the pressure on the kids. You know, for us, we, we put them pressure to demand standards of themselves every day. Yeah. For me, what what I think would be what I think might happen this year is, you know, if you look what's happening across the across the league, there's a lot of foreigners who I'm talking about the A League now. Yeah. There's a lot of foreigners who, because of the situation, are now leaving the, the clubs. Yep. So whether that happens at Perth Glory, I'm not too sure. I'm not privy to that information at the moment. Well, it's already uh, happened with Woodtrick. Well, yeah, I, I, I know he's not here, but has that been confirmed? That, um, well, he's yeah, confirmed. He's confirmed it on Facebook. Yeah, there you go. You yeah. know more than me, then. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I guess if you look, I'm just looking at the case of players leaving other clubs. Mm. So, yeah. what what that might happen? You know, when when the boys get back in, when the, the A League boys get back in, there's going to be opportunities for young players to come in and train with the first team, mm. and if yeah. they, you know, they step up and they do well in the next three or four weeks, they might do some opportunities for some young, you know, W footballers there to go and make a name for themselves. Absolutely. And when when you look at it though, there's been a lot of talk over the over the COVID season by people that've been involved in the game at the highest level from Australia, mm. and they talk about people like Harry Kuehl and Viduka competing in first team games at sixteen and seventeen, and Stan Lazaridis as a seventeen year old. Mm. Um, you look at what happens now in the A League because it's it's not a development league; it's a it's a results league. Um, you don't really get those those players 
been given that amount of game time now. And I think, you know, when you look at the players that we have developed and there's there's an awful lot of West Australian people who've been through the the glory program, um, Taggart, um, O'Neill, um, just to mention two, but they're, they're all playing either here or overseas, but they, when they had, some of them left the glory because they weren't getting the opportunities at the glory. They did get the opportunities elsewhere. How do we fix that? Cause I mean, it, it's a lot to, to throw in a 16 or 17 year old to play in the first team, but if yeah, they're good enough, no. they're old enough. And listen, that was exactly the same. I, 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 from my experience, I, I made my debut when I was 16 and thrown into men's football, played reserve football when I was 15. So yeah. the, the the demands and the standards around you were just incredible. You know, you go out there and you lose the ball once. Uh, you know, the, you, you, the, the players are, are demanding that you do better and the crowd are demanding you do better. So, to, you know, it takes a, a, a type of character to do that. Yeah. If we flip that question around a bit, do you think that we are... And WA allowing for the best players to have the best pathway because if you look at the league in WA, we've, we've got we've taken away. So years ago, when there was no restrictions, when there was no when there was no restriction on visa players, there was no restrictions on point system. There's no salary cap. The best players played. So mm-hmm. what happened was the young players had to be at the top of the game to go and play in the bet in the in the local league here. Yeah. So a lot of good players who then stood up to that challenge, they were actually prepared to go and go and play in senior football. I think we've got an easy pathway at the moment. So you're getting young kids are, you know, playing in, in our local league, mm. probably playing where they maybe not been have to fight as hard enough. So the, I think the depth of quality, like I said, there's some really good footballers here in W. But I think you know the depth of quality yep. is not there. So I think yep. you know, for me, I don't think we should have a salary cap league. I don't think we should have player point system. I agree. I think in terms of the visa. Oh, that that might be one you could you could you could argue with because you know. But I think if you look at all the visa players that have come across they've added across value. the years, they've been top class, yes. and they've actually they've actually gave experience when they're playing in the local leagues to these young players coming through. They've demanded those standards yep. of the young players around them, and then then if those players who you know who had done really well, mm. you know, I think you, you be, yeah, I think just as when I came to Perth, you know, like your Scotty Bullocks and your Andrea Jukic, they, they were guys who came through that probably mm. that system and, and broke into the first team, yep. you know. Um, and obviously, Dino and, and, and Reese to an extent as well. Some of these guys who played, you know, again, they never played too much locally. They, they came in through the, the, kind of the youth system. But mm. some of these guys like Andrea and then Scotty Bullock who come through, and yeah. they, they, had to, they had to play well every week. And they had, they had guys round about them where there was there's a lot a lot more quality. Yeah. I'm not saying there's there's no quality, but there's there's a lot more quality. So I think if you look at the you know the actual the, the system we've got in place or the structure we've got in place, it doesn't you know allow for that the best players to to thrill, thrillish. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully, listen, we for me like I'm, I'm you know we proper comes you know he comes to all the all the all the NYL, NYL games all yeah. most of the the MPL game, so he's across all the kids yeah. uh, coming through. We've we've had, I think we had, I think we counted 20, 20, 18, 19, 20 players who trained with the first team from the from the senior academy yeah. this year. Um, so that's for me. That's 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 the start. Oh, look, and I, so and I so think now these kids have now got to get in in front of a Diego Castro. Yeah. Now they've got to get in front of a, a Neil Kilkenny or a or a, a Wandy or a. Yeah. So it's the challenge is there, but listen, I, I believe we've got quality here, and hopefully, you know, 
just by a little bit of luck through this situation, we'll have a couple of younger players come into the, the first team environment. And then, then on top of that, you've also got the public scrutiny. I know um, Popper's boys have, have come under some criticism from the, the Facebook key, keyboard warriors. But when you look at it, um, when they've come on, they've performed, they've done a job. They're both... Um, playing at the highest level in their age groups internationally, yep. um, and that they are both quality players. And I think mm. that some of the the commentary from the uninformed is quite brutal. And, and you, as you say, if you lose a ball, then you you absolutely get steamed for it. Um, and it's is that pressure wasn't around when when Kiel and Viduka were lear, learning their trade. So that's another dynamic. But what I did want to ask you was um, last time we spoke, you were. Um, just about to enter into a review of the NPL nationally with Rob Sherman. Now Rob Sherman's gone. What's happened to that review of, of the development? Because what you're saying makes sense. I'd like to see that realised across the country. Yeah, well, unfortunately, obviously, due to Rob, Rob um, leaving his position at the FFB, um, everything's on hold at the moment. Um, we were at the, the sort of kind of end of the, the academy's Academy scheme, scheme yeah. and also the player path, pathways um, to try and endorse some of this, um, some new ideas coming through. Mm. Um, but I think Rob felt at the time he was um, finding it difficult to, to try and push a lot of this stuff through. Yeah. Um, but that was just, I think that was just before, or just as James Johnson was coming in the door. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if, you know, in terms of did he leave too early because. You know, James Johnson seems to be saying a lot of good things at the moment. He's mm. he's put himself out there. He's been vocal. Definitely. He's been communicating. Mm. Um, so I'm 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 just you know I'm wondering if, if if Rob had stayed on a little bit longer, that might have been able to um, you know bring that some of that stuff to fruition. Mm. Um, so I'm a little bit disappointed. After I, I felt Rob was the right man for the yeah. job, but what what we've done is um, a couple of four of us who are on that academy um, that panel and the player pathway panel myself um, Kelly. Kelly Cross, Ian Crook and Drew Sherman um, we've put something towards the new um, the new man in charge uh, James Johnson so you know if we can continue um, along the lines of you know bring some of these conversations some of these important issues um, that we think is you know that needs to be addressed at the moment because we can't leave it we can't continue to just keep it on the back burner Mm. So I think what we're doing at the moment is what FFA are doing at the moment. They're waiting for the new TD to come in, and you know, um, and they've got different groups. The starting a living group, and oh, there's all these different panels that's going on in the golden generation, and mm. it's good. Everyone's talking. Everyone seems to be, you know, coming up with some good ideas. But it's actually can can some of these ideas follow through now? So mm. um, we've got, you know, on that that panel, we've got some definitely some intelligent, well well experienced. You know, people, coaches have coached in youth development for a long time and yeah. um, and they're passionate and they want change. They want change. It's just whether that, you know, you know, can some of these models be put in place? Have they got the financial back bone for it to happen? I'm not I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure that's something they to drive. There's no better time like the present yeah, exactly. to, to actually put these plans in, in, in uh, let's just say, have everybody come to the table and uh, and and start formulating you know, how we're going to fix this game uh, Australia-wide because we're still, you know, we're still behind the eight ball. We're, we're the biggest participation sport in Australia, but we still haven't got the respect that we need and deserve to, to keep our game strong and to keep it affordable, Stevie, because parents are 
yeah. really like getting hit in the pocket left, right and centre wherever they go if they want their kid to be a, a top-shelf footballer. Yeah. So, you know, it's this is a time where, you know, the the, the good new heads that we've got out there, and you, you mentioned um, James Johnson, he, he does appear to be a breath of fresh air, and all, all the uh, ex-legends, uh, heroes, superstars of football for Australia, the Socceroos, the, their, their intentions are all good. Your intentions are good. Our intentions are good. We need someone to coordinate all this yep. and put the plan together so we can get the game the respect it deserves in this country. So fingers crossed, mate. But um, one question I got is um, the Glory running a bit of a poll on whether the A-League should be a winter season or a summer season. What's your thoughts on it? Um, I think yes. For me, if we can align it, if we can align it with the winter season, it would make sense. Yeah. If for me, you're aligning it with the obviously um, all the Asian competitions, you're aligning it with the the NPL league. It seems you know it just seems doesn't doesn't seem to flow well. Um, in terms of that, I think you could protect some of the. Some of the assets as well. So mm. when you've got a winter season and you're playing from March through to October, potentially, you know when the European market's open and you've got some good players who are in contract, teams have to then come and buy players. You know, instead of players leaving, yeah. just you know every every transfer window, or you, we've lost another player, we've lost another player, but absolutely nothing. So you're actually protecting. The assets of the the league and the and the clubs yep. and the money's coming back into the clubs as well. But you know, just aligning, I think if you align all the the leagues together, it makes it makes sense to do it. it you does. know, they, they do it in every other part of the in the world. It's yeah. and for me, you know, I, I can hear I hear all this who how well we can't compete because we've got the AFL and mm. and this is on and that's on. Do you know what? Mm. People might have to make a choice. Yeah, but people yeah. might have to make a choice and go. Listen, this is football. Yeah. If you want to be a football fan and you're passionate about football, yep. come and support your club because of those. They are, you know. I, I know. Yeah. It's, it's a little brother attitude, though, isn't it? You know, we're not as big as them, so let's not compete. Now we need to compete. Yeah, we do. We do. There's only one AFL game in town. Yeah. At on the weekend, so we're only competing with one. You know, yeah. call it event. Yeah. So, so our event. If we can't pull twenty thousand football loving people out of hundred eighty thousand or however many play the game in this state, didn't, didn't wrong. affect the NSL, and that was in football yeah, heartland. So, correct. yeah, correct. So, yeah. yeah, lots to lots to dis, and, uh, to work on there. And Steve. one more thing, Stevie, before, before <laughs> we go. What, what, what's your thought? So, so what's your thoughts on the transfer market in Australia? There, there is no transfer market into the A League, and I think you know it. You know yourself from your European experiences. It's that money that drives the programs and seeds the programs. And you know, if a if a small club was able to develop a player who was then picked up by the Glory, and there was a transfer fee involved, not not a huge one, but something, it, it's money that makes that machine run, isn't it? One hundred percent, agree, one hundred percent. So there should be some sort of uh, financial incentive for every single club. So that that can be a community club, that can be. Uh, MPL club that yeah. can be an elite club you need to protect so if, you know if you're investing a lot of your time and effort in coaching and and you've spent a lot of money you know getting your coaches up to speed in terms of yeah. their, their accreditation you've got better facilities you're spending you need to be protected so mm. if you're investing yeah. in, in your club then why shouldn't you whether that be 
a, a, a five grand fee, a ten grand fee, a fifteen grand fee from the A-League clubs back in the local leagues, yep. and then from A-League club to A-League club. So because it's like the merry go round in terms of players yeah. coming here and everywhere, so players might actually start being. You know, but one of one of the big bugbears is that you a lot of players are signed on twelve month contracts and they they then um, lapse the contract at the end of the season become free agent. There would be more incentive for a club to give someone a longer contract because in the case of a Brandon O'Neill, rather than just being allowed to drift off and go over to Sydney, we'd be negotiating with Sydney for his release, get some money back from him. At the moment, your program is is producing kids who, if you want to financially benefit have to go overseas. There's no other option for them but to leave this country. And it'd be nice to see them develop in this country, mm. even if it was at another club. There's a good little article in uh, the, on the Football WA website where Chris Coyne uh, makes some very strong uh, points which uh, in, in his call for an Australian transfer market. Uh, it's mm. well, well worth a read, and I'm sure you'll agree yeah. with everything he says there, Stevie. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, you're, you're protecting your, your, like you said, your investment throughout the years and 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 the money stays in the game. The money stays in Australia. That's right. Yeah. You know, and then and then if you've got a, if you've got a transfer system going from club to club, if a, a club like a Melbourne Victory wants to come and buy a young player from Perth Glory, and they want to give us a million dollars, well, fantastic. The money stays in it stays in Australia. And and, and again, is invested in your program, which develops the next million dollar player. Correct. Yeah. Of course. Of course, and you're, and you're keeping that money continually in, in the game in Australia, and then and hopefully then it means that these clubs, you know, who are investing a lot of money in the programs because your your Sydney FCs, your Melbourne, but what is spending millions of pounds in the yeah. in the academy space, and you know, owners at some point go, we need to see some money back here. So mm. exactly, good, you know, when we get one, you know, what if you if you sell one player every every three or four years, that you know, it might be one, two, three million coming back into the club again and back into the academy and, yeah. and funding because I think you mentioned about the, the fees done mm. you know we, you know football should in terms of for me what I grew up with is and this, this is my point exactly we've got yeah. this golden generation of, of millionaires who've made their money out of the game who are complaining that the costs are too high but the the cost would be lower if you if you could generate an income from developing players even if it was just for the domestic market you you're then running a program which could be cost free you could go out identify someone who was you know at a 10 or 12 year old and go right I need you to play my program don't worry about the money and that that again would be a game changer yeah no definitely and that's where we we understand the importance of you know developing on football in the last you know, 18 months, we've changed our programme. We've, we're now, like I said, all the kids are training four times a week. They're doing athletic development. They're doing skill development. You know, they're doing the, the performance analysis. Yep. The games programme, we look to the kids. Well, the kids here normally play 25 games a year. We're, we've dub, nearly doubled that. We're playing, we're trying to hit the mark of 45 yep. games a year for every young footballer. You yep. know, so more minutes, more games and challenging games. And Absolutely. Absolutely. Tournament, so they're, they're getting that experience where they're playing against different cultures, who guys who are playing, you know, different formations and different types of players. Yeah. No one got any better sitting at home watching the telly. <laughs> all, exactly. right, all right, Stevie. Look, we, we've reached the end of our, our allotted time with you. Um, could keep going on all day with you about your thoughts on football. Thank you very much for being on today. Yeah, good chatting with you, Steve. 
As always, gents. Thank you very much. Have a good day. You and too, you. mate. See ya. See you, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, mate. Steve McGarry with some insights into um, the, the workings of the glory and also into the, the National Review on um, player development. And I think he's covered a lot of good points there. And, you know, we, we talked about having an open market. Yeah. Those, those kills and Vadukas yeah. developed in an open market. Yeah. not Because they had, yeah. they had top shelf players that they learnt from. Yeah. So for me, uh, you know, everyone talks about, oh, visa players are taking the spots of our kids, all that sort of stuff. No, if you uh, uh, put some criteria around the visa player situation and say we will allow three visa players per club but they must be of this level of football. So in other words, yeah. you don't just bring in hacks from... Well, the, you look you know, at Mandra bringing in Steve Baird from the... That's Scottish it. leagues. It's like yeah. when Mark Anthony came to Perth, right? Yeah. He brought a level of skill and professionalism that, you know, we, we haven't seen for a long time. You know, Jason Gavin, who came from Middlesbrough, played for Shamrock Rovers in, yeah. in the UEFA Cup, came and taught our kids how to be a professional centre-back and how to be a professional uh person hmm. um you know gareth mcglynn you know i could write stevie mcgarry all these but, guys but even at, but even at a lower level i i can remember um ashfield were trying to um improve the way we did hmm. we we brought in Branimir mikulik who'd yeah. been uh, with the glory at, yes. at one stage yep. the level of professionalism he brought to us yep. was was not it wasn't about what he provided on the park it's yep. about what he provided off the park yep it taught it taught the, the the players who were in in uh, these squads who basically you know thought it was yep. just a picnic run and uh, all all of a sudden they realised hold on it, there's there's a way to play this game and do it right and yep. you know, and and oh, look, we, we had Johnny Perkins came yeah. in uh, from nowhere as great, a goalkeeper great for keeper. us great keeper yep. but when you watched his his warm up mm. his warm up was was more performance in that than there was in any keeper's entire game up until that point and the level of professionalism he brought yep. to us again was it was just a new level and i think they're the sorts of people we need to be bringing in so yeah uh, stevie makes makes some great uh, yeah. great points there absolutely i look at a, um, I think for him, mm. this is a great season because um, you can develop players. You you can take chances on players. Yeah. Uh, going into the season, if you're in second bottom space, yeah. you're not going. Oh, we have to win. I I can't. It's a no put, risk season. Yeah, it's, I can't put this this young kid on because if he if he stuffs it, we're going to lose the game and then we're going to go down. Yep. So I have to put on someone who's. It becomes a development. Yeah. Um, yeah, really. I mean, you know, so for the clubs now, clubs are going to have to make hard decisions and that, that includes whether they can afford to pay players, whether they have yeah. the uh, sponsorship. And, and we'll cover some of this when we yeah. talk to Phil later on. But yeah. as we said beforehand, there are, are players mm. who work their own businesses their own or are tradies right. yep. who have the choice now between not earning money on a Saturday morning and playing football for yep. nothing yep. or working in a job where they can pick up a grand or more in the morning yep. and and then either playing after having done a morning's grafting mm. or not playing. And play yep. and play on a Sunday with their mates. Correct. Yeah. All right. We'll be back after these messages with Derek Pollock, who's going to tell us all about the um, the EPL and what's going on there. Because to be honest, I've switched off a bit, but <laughs> Derek hasn't. We'll be back with Derek shortly. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. 
Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station sponsor. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We are the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Navin at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. One hundred seven point nine FM, your local station. And the Hall of Fame, another sponsor of ours, but uh, do a lot of good work. And as you said, Ron Adair, who was in their um, team of the century, um, who's almost a century old himself. So, yeah, nice tie-in. Yeah, um, brilliant. Now, something else that's over a hundred years old and has never <laughs> never been in in this situation before is the EPL. And our man with his finger on the pulse is Derek Pollock. Derek, good morning. How are you? Good, thanks, Sean. How are you? Good, mate. Um, have you been going through the COVID uh, lockdown? You've been coping all right? Uh, yeah, no, I've been coping better than most. Um, I've, you know, my job's just carried on, which has been really, really fantastic. So um, that's been, you know, I've been very lucky with there and we're back to football. So everything's looking good again. Absolutely. Um, now, being a West Ham fan, I kind of switched off the EPL when you stopped because I thought where where we where we are, I'm happy. And if they don't start again, and we stay there, then I'm even happier. But it it's all looks like well, it's Karen kicking. Brady was fighting for that case for you there, Sean. Yeah, no, I know. I don't normally agree with Karen, but um, on that one, I did. Um, but yeah. to be honest, I've, I've kind of switched off. So what what is? I know they've got the go ahead in June, but what's happening? Because I don't know how that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people at the Premier League don't know how it's going to happen yet either. Um, so they've got what they're calling Project Restart, and that is sort of restarting the Premier League, as the name sort of implies. Um, they've, they've got to go ahead. So what they're going to do, they're going to start in, I think, next weekend, um, in the middle of June, and they're going to have, they've got 92 more games that they need to play. So they're going to play that basically every single day of the week. Um, there's been um, protests, obviously, from some players and some clubs, um, so they've said that you, they're not allowed to let players play any more than twice in 48 hours, which mm-hmm. is enough. Um, but it will be behind closed doors. They're trying to get to some mutual venues if they can, um, but they haven't got through all of the finer details yet. So I believe clubs have been told they uh, are able to um, sort of – they have until the 30th of June um, to, to work out extensions um, on contracts with players who are due to expire, yeah. which is about 20% of players across Europe. Um, but again, you know, if your contract's ending at the end of the, uh, end of June, are you really going to agree to a one month or two month extension? Run the risk of getting injured and then miss possibly a three four year deal after that. So there's still lots of things to sort out. But that's that's the sort of where the lay of the land is at the moment. 
Yeah, I suppose it depends on where you see your, your contract extension ending you up because if you're a club that you were hoping they would pick you up, you would use that as leverage to get your three- or four-year contract before that month. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it depends pretty vastly upon your own personal circumstances as yeah. well. You know, if you're 21, 22, you'd probably be pretty keen for that extension. Yeah. But someone like Willie, Willie or Pedro, who are, are, you know, are either in their 30s or uh, very, very close to it. And on the, the outer, yeah. Yeah, and then getting good and then suddenly there's almost a career over, possibly depending on the injury. So are they talking neutral venue hubs or, you know, because again, that's not been clearly communicated as to how they're going to play this season out. Yeah, it's not being communicated very well at all. There's lots of things that, that um, yeah, communication has not been the strong point at this point. Um, so what they what they initially said was just regular stadiums behind closed doors, but then they're concerned because fans will just go to the stadium anyway and congregate outside and then social distancing won't apply. And yeah. obviously UK, the UK are not in the sort of situation we are when it comes to social distancing, and that's much more of a factor there. Yeah. Um, but then, then they said neutral venues. Um, I mean, I'm, as far as I'm aware, it hasn't, been totally decided yet? No. And, um, the, yeah. the, I mean, some things have been decided. Obviously, the Women's Super League has been decided on points uh, over the season that's basis. Decided, and, yeah. and um, you know, that, that's worked out well for Chelsea and not so well for Liverpool. But um, it could be the other way around in, in the Men's League because it could actually work out in Liverpool's favour and then the European spots and the relegation spots would become very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I really do feel... The Liverpool fans at this point have been so close so many times, had it taken away from them. Yeah, but they're Liverpool fans. Come on, they're Liverpool fans. There's no sympathy, is there? (laughs) (laughs) Poor deluded people. But in terms of the Women's League, though, Susie Rack from The Guardian um, has written some fantastic articles lately, just pointing out, really, the fact that, you know, Germany have managed to do it. Germany have the women's game back up and running, whereas the FA have just gone, ah, it's just women's football, too hard, let's just call it here. Um, and you know the, the sort of the differences between Germany and England have been pretty pretty stark in that regard. Yeah, but I don't know enough I about the, the European. I don't know enough about the European women's leagues, but I, I do remember reading in the article that um, the women's super league is the only fully professional league in Europe. So whether they were lying when they said that or whether it's the truth, I don't know. But that that does change the dynamic because again, if you're playing for all your expenditure and no income from a business point of view, it doesn't make sense. And I don't think the women's uh, media deals will be anywhere near the men's. Yeah, no, it's a fair point. But when they do talk about fully professional, we, yeah. we, we do need to be clear that it's, you know, we, we're not talking men's football. You know, it's, it's not the same, anywhere near the same realms. And the sort of the level of financial um, questions that have been asked during this time have been pretty stark. Yeah. I mean, for just as an example, um, Timo Werner, the German player, looks like he's going to sign for Chelsea. Yeah. Um, Liverpool were reportedly interested in him, which if Liverpool sign anyone between now and the start of next season, I'll be extraordinarily disappointed with them given that they were one of the first clubs to furlough all of their non-playing staff, only deciding to not do that when public um, sentiment grew so sort of out outrage that they went, oh, hang on, yeah, we can't really live with this decision. So they eventually unfurlowed all of their staff. If they can then turn around and sign a £50 million player, mm. there's um, a lot of uh, questions about yeah, what the ethics behind that and, 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 and who's making the decision and why they're making certain decisions, you know. Yeah. And so I as suppose... Out, the European places will be, will be yeah, very, um, very closely fought, I guess, because 
you know, Manchester United looked just way out of it um, until they signed Bruno Fernandes. And now suddenly they're breathing down Chelsea's neck. And it's, it's a season that will have an asterisk over it forever. But, you you know, when, when the season suddenly stopped, there were players who were injured, who are now lo- no longer injured. There were players who were fit and, and playing really well and in form who, if I, you know, the pictures of Kevin De Bruyne look like he's, he's been, been to a couple of barbecues. Um, but, you know, all of these things, when, when the re- season resets, it's not just going to be um, pre-COVID just start again because this is basically a whole new season starting from scratch and the the teams that were in form may not no, no longer be informed the teams that were um, struggling may no longer be struggling because you know if you you're missing six first teamers you're going to struggle but if they're all back happy days yeah look absolutely I mean you mentioned Kevin De Bruyne there I mean I saw some pictures of him the other day he looked like he'd had a, a Sunday league's off season yeah um, <laughs> but um, but look the other the other point you make as well about players who were injured is a really important point because um, they're, they're, there's questions about will there be a new registration window? Yeah. Because what you do is um, at the end of the transfer window in January, you register players and those players are the only ones that are allowed to play until the end of the season. Yeah. Um, just one example of that is Paul Dummett from Newcastle who injured himself and looked like he was going to be after the rest of the season. So he yeah. wasn't registered with the Newcastle squad. He's now fit. So will they be allowed to re-register him because the um, constraints of the season have now changed, and then and tying that's another question. Tying into it, you mentioned about those players that were on contracts that are now expired or expiring. Um, a team who had one of those players that can no longer play him because he's no longer contracted, so the season's not the same. Um, or they've brought in a player that has been signed during the COVID. Area, I don't. I, it's it's messy, and I think you know. Again, we talk about legal precedents, but the uh, the clubs that are going to benefit or lose from this will will all be whinging. I know because we still hear about Sheffield the, these days, and it was a long time ago. <laughs> and you're unbiased in that in, in that regard as well. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Look, that's a, that's a um, yeah really important point there because, like you say, um, you know, I'll just use Chelsea as an example. Um, they've already agreed a deal with Hakim Ziyech, um, who isn't allowed to um, go into Chelsea yet because it, it, the transfer window hasn't opened. Yep. They look like they've a deal agreement, agree, agreed a deal with Timo Werner. Again, he can't come into the season. If Willian and, and, and Pedro can't come to terms with the club on on, 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 a, on an extension, then that leaves them with Hudson-Odoi and Pulisic as their only winners. Yeah. So, you know, will they be able to get through a game every three days with, with, with two winners? And so that puts into question... Um, yeah, the, the you know the viability of some teams. Yeah, that that could cost them a European place. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's it, the machinations are frightening when you start to go through them, um, and you know the. I think everyone is given that Liverpool should or will win the title, but the the week of days before. Um, the, the clash between them and Man City, which was going to really be the the, the deciding game, um, the season ended. And, and now if we pick that up, and that's the, the first game that they have when they come back, mm-hmm. um, it would be a massive game. But at the same time, it's, it's very changed circumstances. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, Manchester City have got the opening game against, I think, Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, so, so they will have already played a game, so that might affect... Um, available games and points and whether or not Liverpool have technically won the league. Uh, but, I mean, well, I think the, the, the thing that is certain is the financial cost of, of the crisis. 
It looks yeah. like the league, if it does come back and they finish it, they're going to lose, I think, in the region of £375 million. If they didn't come back at all, it was looking closer to £800 million that they were going to lose yeah. as a league. And so the knock-on effect of this, I think it's just going to um, further entrench the the elite within English football and pyramid because you've got your clubs like Manchester City, Chelsea, who are Man United, who aren't struggling for money, and they're now just going to be able to pick off players and the best young players from clubs um, that are struggling because a lot of the championship clubs, players that they would have been wanting 15, 20 million pounds for, yeah. they might now have to give away for five or six million pounds. Mm. And, and that will then have that knock-on effect down the road about, you know, 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds going and then those clubs not, not being able to replace them. And, you know, will, will there be clubs that won't be able to compete long-term based on, on, on the financial crisis instigated by coronavirus? Yeah, and then the other thing is you, you've had players who've now been out for two and a half months who, who have not been competing at the highest level. We flick the switch and all of a sudden they're back competing at uh, an elite level. And if you've been susceptible to a soft tissue injury, this is going to be the time you're going to, you're going to ping a, a hammy or something. And it's, you know, I think the injury rate and the, the risk of injuring players now is very, very high. And that's, you know, it ties into your thing about the, the guys who are out of contract getting injured. It, it really is a, a serious consideration. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and at this point, it's not even hypothetical. You know, the Bundesliga has come back for, I think, three weeks now, and they've um, had a, a quite, I mean, I don't know the exact statistics, but they've had, a, like, quite a large increase in soft tissue injuries. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it will happen. And, like, yeah, so, if, I mean, Chelsea, again, just perfect example. You know, if they can't agree a deal with Willie or Pedro, you know, Hudson Adoy has already said, or just soft tissue injuries, he's been out for a while. Yeah. Pulisic, I think, is the same. You know, are you going to have two potentially injury-prone wingers getting you through 92 games, or yep. not 92 games, but however many games they've got left in a couple of months? You know, that's very tricky. Yeah. Oh, look, it's, it's nine games for each of the clubs to get through in a couple of months. It's a, yeah. it's a so big ask. In, in, what, eight weeks? Yeah. Is, is, yeah. Or less than eight weeks, maybe even. So, so finish, your, your hot tips for the season now, you, you think um, Liverpool... Done, dusted, or do you think it could have a, a massive Liverpool end to the season and, and lose by a point or goal difference to City? Oh, I think I think it would be yeah. I mean, miracles upon miracles for Liverpool for not winning it at this point. Maybe yeah, but if know. anyone's capable of it, you know, <laughs> Liverpool are capable, aren't they? I mean, you you got the Stevie G slip. Um, you know, we thought that they were going to do it, and then yeah, they got, they got the greatest coach in the world, right? They, they'll do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it would be like CVG slipping yeah. six times in a game. You yeah. know? <laughs> and and <laughs> the, the Euro- European spots, you see them going to who? Uh, City are locked on for a European spot. Yeah. I think Leicester are pretty well locked on as well. Um, and, you know, I'm going to go out on, on a bit of a limb here and then be proven wrong, obviously. But um, I think Man United will just about get one over Chelsea. Yeah. Even... If, if if Pedro and William can't agree a deal, then yeah, I'd say Man United for that final spot. Yep. Okay. And and the relegation spots. Mm, that's harder. Well, Norwich Norwich are uh, pretty comfortable. The best worst team ever in the Premier League. <laughs> yeah. They're playing some fantastic football, but it's not quite getting it over the line. So I'd say them going down with Villa and I don't know Watford. They had a bit of a a, a blip to to come up um, on on the old. Um, Heart rate monitor, but that's gone now. Yeah, so I think that'll go down. Hopefully, uh, I think the the Premier League will be better for having Leeds in it next season. 
Oh, without a doubt. I think Leeds, Leeds have been on the cusp for, for that long and, and have wanted it for that long. It would be great to have them back in the, the EPL. Um, Nostalgia, mate. Going yeah, back to the, the days when Viduka and Kiel played there. Jeez, that, that's another lifetime ago. All right, mate. So when we're back on in a, in a couple of weeks, um, we'll, we'll know exactly what's happening because they should be playing by then. So mm. it'll be interesting to see and we'll, we'll catch up with you then just to, to see how things are tracking. Thanks, Sean and no Thank you very much, mate. See, See ya. Bye. Cheers. Yeah. Derek Pollock, who is our EPL expert, and hopefully it's a little bit clearer now what's happening. It's just, yeah, it's interesting. Um, my sister-in-law lives over there, and in, in two weeks they have to go out in public wearing a mask, and she's was why wait two weeks? Why not just make it now? Yeah. What's the difference between now and two weeks? Yeah. The, the bug's out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, right. yeah, it just makes no sense. I think, you know, whilst you've got Boris in charge, who knows, anything's possible. Yeah. <laughs> the, the world is being run by loonies at the moment, mate. <laughs> well, Funboy 3 had it right, didn't they? Yeah. The Loon 6 have taken over the asylum. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Great song. Great song. Um, yeah, so interesting out there. We, we've, we're still no closer to the A-League and what that's, where that's going. I think TV deals are tied up. The money's... Obviously, a big thing, and I think that's what's driving the English Premier League is the money that they've already been committed to for their season. So, um, yeah, I think we're we're interesting times ahead. Don't yeah, no, good. Uh, another good article on, on the football WA website regarding that, saying our broadcast rights hindering football. It was written by a journo, Philip McAuliffe. Um, so that that definitely is a good read if you want to get an insight into um, what's happening with our broadcast rights. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to a break and we'll be back after that with Greg Farrell from West Coast Futsal. So we'll be back after these. Oh, give me land, lots of land Under starry skies above Don't fence me in Oswest Fencing and Rotiron. Are you looking to build or replace your gates or fencing? The OzWest team can offer four generations of advice, materials and kit assemblies for your unique fence and gate project. We specialise in colour bond, aluminium, steel and timber gates. Check out our galleries at auswestfencing.com.au. That's A-U-S-W-E-S-T fencing.com.au. Please don't fence me in. West Coast Futsal accommodates for players of all skill levels and ages. With four great locations around Perth, we have a time and a venue to suit anyone's busy week. From social men's, women's or mixed games to A-grade competition, we've got you covered. Games are played night and day, indoor and outdoor, all year round. So grab five mates and come down for a game today. Hi, I'm Peter Skeeler. 
The world is a little different to us all right now. We may be learning to play football with our mates online, keeping in touch by FaceTime, and watching classic matches on Share TV. One thing that won't change is being able to listen to the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle. Your World Football team are here every Saturday from 10am to 12 noon. We appreciate your support and stay safe, Australia. We're all in this together. Young Pete there with another one. He's terrific little intros. He's um, it's a good lad, Pete. No, he's dulcet tones of young Pete. Yeah. And I suppose, yeah. look, it's interesting. We, we say we're all in this together. We, we are. And as I said, yeah. coming in this morning, great to see people back at the cafes and mm. other things. Mm. It's important that we support local businesses and you know, the businesses that support us. And in that case, um, West Coast Futsal, who Greg Farrell is with, uh, are one of those businesses that we, we need to be engaging with, and particularly now things have changed. Greg, good morning. How are you? I'm good, gentlemen. How are you both? Good. How has the world well. changed for you since midnight? <laughs> well, we're we're still um, in a, a bit of a holding pattern. We're working with the councils to be able to reopen and, and get games and stuff going, but um, some of them haven't. Well, <clears throat> some of them are still, I guess, a little bit concerned about the timing and and. Uh, I guess the appropriateness of going back to to specific training and then games. Um, so I think it's still going to be a matter of phasing things in over the next couple of weeks. Um, our, our social competitions, we're hoping, will be restarting on on Monday. Yep. Uh, and then the the elite level competitions, the Super League and the junior competitions, are still going to be a little while away. The Super League will will start back in a few weeks' time, um, but we'll have, we'll have friendlies and stuff, similar to what's happening with, with outdoor football at the moment. Um, and then the juniors will start back soon after that. So you, you, guess, Sorry, Greg, are you getting a bit of a mixed message from differing councils, are you, or are they all saying the same thing? No, they're all, they're all saying fairly similar things, but they are doing things at, at a different pace based on which council it is. Ah, right. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. I- I coach with Northern Redbacks in outdoor football as well, and yeah. we had a, a similar situation with the move to stage two, where we were allowed to train, but we weren't allowed to do contact work. Yeah. The, the state government regulations were one thing, but Sterling Council. Um, so I think it became that we could have twenty players in one half of the field, yeah. but for the first week or two. Sterling Council said that we could only have twenty players per field. So, I like I'm not particularly. It didn't cause too many issues. It just made planning a little bit more, I guess, elongated in what we had to make sure we were dotting the I's and crossing the T's. Mm. Um, but everyone's just trying to be cautious, so yeah, can't really blame people. And then. For that. The extra things that were thrown in on top of that were the, the COVID cleaning. You know, when you were training in groups of 20, there had to be clear space between the changeover in those groups. The equipment needed to be cleaned. And now when you're going back into um, the resumption of normal activities, there's still an onus, particularly on you as a business owner, to, to have a COVID cleaning plan. Yeah, so, well, my, my boss, uh, Andreas, who is the he's the director of West Coast Football Association. He 
well, we've done each done a um, well, we've done up a COVID safety plan, but then we've also then gone and done a um, an online course um, for for managers. So, and, and all of our staff, our, our night managers, and our our competition managers are going to be doing that course. So, it, it's it's about the things you've just talked about: keeping cleaning up, trying to make sure people are social distancing when possible. And then the procedures that are required if and when there is a, a positive, if, if someone who has been within the, the area turns out to test positive, then we have to be able to very quickly provide all of the contact information to the right authorities. Yeah, um, and I suppose that's the point. The contact tracing is, is down to you. And if you're not keeping good and accurate records, which is another layer of administration for you, um, you know, and who does that and at what cost? Well, and, and that's, it, it is another layer of administration. To be completely honest, though, it hasn't been, it hasn't been too difficult to set up. It, it's just been a yeah. matter of the, the, I think the chasing up people is going to be the difficult bit. Making yeah. sure that everyone has, like, we've just created an electronic form that everyone, every player, every coach, every referee official has to fill out. So we've got their contact information yeah. on hand in any in any moment, and then it's just a matter of double checking that everyone who is at the location at the venue. And, and in fact, it, it seems like a quite an onerous process, but I, I mean, imagine that you and most clubs have got those lists already. But it, you know, from a from my perspective, it is my personal feeling that across the state, the state's done a, a terrific job of managing the the um, the disease, and that community transmission at this this state has been absolutely minimal and i'm pretty sure that most of the west australian public haven't had contact and don't carry the the disorder and as long as you don't take in a team from a live export ship you should be pretty right (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i think if if anyone was um to to play a friendly against the team that's come off the the cruise ships, I think you, you might have some problems. Yeah. But, um, but like you say, Western Australia has been quite lucky and I think the the tyranny of distance, which normally causes us problems over here, has actually been a ab- godsend. Absolute in, in godsend, case. yes. Um, so going back to your business, how many um, inquiries have you been getting? Are people looking and, and championing it a bit to get back and playing? Oh, yeah. Well, even... Even during the the whole lockdown phase, we had teams constantly saying, "Can we get back in? Can we get back?" Um, like I said, we'll, we'll be starting with social friendlies on on Monday night, and hopefully between well, from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at both Netherlands and Mount Lawley, I'm, we're hoping that it will pick it back up nice and quickly. It, it's not going to go back to being full um, straight away because we have also had teams who have said, look, we're still a little bit concerned. Um, we're happy to start back in a few weeks' time, but I think people, like I said before, people are still wanting to be cautious and nobody wants to be in a situation where they've caused something or they've contributed. Um, and I think this so is the message... Just have to make do. The message going forward for everybody is, is that, that there is... 
some community reticence to, to go back to normal. Most people don't want to, to rush back in and uh, people are socially distancing. I've seen some things um, from around the world where people are, are slow and, and very cautious about going back and very suspicious of, of going back. Um, how does that change your business plan going forward for, for the next season or the, the following couple of years? Because it could take a couple of years for that to, to die down. Yeah, well, and we, we've had to... So we, we send representative teams to um, the, the National Futsal Championships and there's a, a school-based one in September, October, which we're not going to be sending teams to this year because we just don't have enough lead in time. Yep. Um, we had about 160 school teams who were supposed to be playing in a school championships just before coronavirus happened. Mm. We got the first week of the tournament done, but we couldn't get the next two weeks of the tournament done. Yep. So we're going to be offering those players who missed out the opportunity later in the year and then further representative opportunities. Mm. But it's also, we were supposed to be sending um, teams to Japan in March and April for an invitational tournament, which being one of the hot spots, we're still not 100% sure that that is going to go ahead. Yeah. Um, and then we were supposed to also be sending teams to Madrid in August. So that's definitely not going well, you to happen. You don't pick the places too well, do you, really? I mean, Tokyo and Madrid, <laughs> well, Unfortunately, well, with Japan, we were going to be going to Fukuoka. Yeah. Well, we, that, that's the plan. Um, so it's it's just a matter of making sure that, like I said before, we dot our eyes, yeah. get everything as right as possible, but also be ready to adapt in any given situation. Yeah, but and, I think you need to plan I a full tour and, and, and plan for something in Wuhan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that would step across the boundary, just taking it just that one step too far. <laughs> that, that's, um, that's what I do. <laughs> Yeah, well, some people like to do that. I, I think I'll steer away from Wuhan yeah. for the rest of my life. But <laughs> Just keep you work. never know. Yeah. Keep working in Perth, mate. That's uh, the safest place on the planet at the moment. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Well, and that's, like, like I said, so because of what's happened, we, we're trying to make sure that we do plan and we're still wanting to give players that we can, um, and that's why like, the, the national leagues in Japan are very, very good for both male and females, so it's a, a legitimate professional competition yeah. that we can be pushing players to, and obviously Spain is the best the best leagues in the world, yeah. so the end game is to have players going over there too, but it's just whether or not we can do that in the next, next little while safely. Yeah, look, and I think that's the, the biggest thing is to get some confidence in, in the local game and, and then look at what happens around the world later on. I think um, Madrid are very much on top of it now, but they're, they're waiting for a second wave if there is a second wave. And then obviously if, if a vaccine is developed, then that changes everything. Yeah, it certainly does. Well, there's actually a, a coaching course, a conference in, in Madrid today, tomorrow and Monday that I attended a couple of years ago. Um, when I went, there was 120 coaches on the ground and there was another 100 or so who were, um, were watching via live stream from different places around the world. Yeah. That, con that conference this year is going to have more than 300 
and for the first time, all of the segments are going to be dubbed into English. Yeah. So people are finding different ways of, of spreading the word and, and making sure that there are opportunities for people. Um, but again, it's it's the sort of thing I would have loved to have been over there for it again. I, I was hoping to be able to go, but yeah. the the world was rent apart. So, and I suppose um, that's that's the other side of COVID. Whilst we've we've had all these other things, the lockdown, what have you, but it has opened up the doors for innovation and things like Zoom and other conferencing um, software has, has become available and improved our site in that time and it you know whilst it's uh, it's great to go to spain and, and actually physically meet with the people you can do the online meetings on a much much more regular basis and you know whereas that was once a year you you could probably even do them you know quarterly and and a, a fraction of the cost so there are some yeah. some great things that have come out of this you know for myself for work if i if i get someone to head office for a meeting it takes me an hour to get to to the head office to spend half an hour in a meeting to spend another hour driving home it's not it's not great use of time mm. whereas now we're we're zooming into these meetings and it's just fantastic just you know you, you just don't waste the, the time that you could be doing something else yeah, well, and and the the classic saying is that necessity is the mother of invention, and that's like like you said, Zoom, um, and the practicalities of of a lot of different online um, opportunities have have really flourished. And I mean, even down to I don't know if you, if you guys have seen it, but moving away from sport for a moment, the look at the globe and how the Earth is regenerating all of the the pollution levels have dropped and the cleanliness of water and all that sort of thing. Mm. We've, we've moved away for three months from massive amounts of pollution going into the air and the earth has started to, to get better for it. And so our oxygen quality is getting, um, like there, there's so many benefits, even just interpersonally. Um, my, my fiance and I have been able to spend far more time together than, any of probably the last ten or fifteen generations of, of people, yeah, because we've we've been at home, we haven't been able oh. to go out. Yeah, no, look, um, I, I I know what you mean. I've been at home with a wife for the last three months, and it, no, don't remind me of that. <laughs> well, and yeah, I'm sure Annie's probably getting fairly sick of it, and she's more than happy <laughs> to be able to get rid of me now. But it has been. No, it's been, been a terrific time to engage with people and particularly those people closest to you. There's there's lots of people, yeah. and I know because I've got Phil here in the studio with me, but um, he's had lots of time working from home to, to be interacting with his four children. So, um, you know. It's a reboot, it's a rebirth, yeah. it's, a re- it's a cleansing. It's almost like, okay, it looks like our planet probably needs this once every is it a hundred years? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It is. I think you're right in that respect. Now, going back to local football, you you've we mentioned about West Coast football, but you're also involved with the Redbacks. Um, now yep. that you're back into a real competition, and there's a, a real competition now defined by Football West. How do you feel about the season? Being the NPL first year, it was a it was really going to be a development year anyway, but now that's just formalised. Yeah, well, I think the. The quality of the the of games in in night series was like it got better from the first week through to the the semifinals and the grand final. And I think, like you said, it is going to be a developmental year where sides, and especially now that it's shorter, sides are going to have to focus on the 
practical aspect, being fit enough to make sure that people can last 90 minutes. The tactical side is probably going to take a little bit of a backseat just because it is going to be a sprint rather than a marathon. Um, not not to say that it's not still a priority, but it's probably a secondary rather than a primary. Yeah. Because if people, if people have just had three months of doing very little and then they go straight back into trying to do high-level sport, there's going to be injuries and that sort of thing. So yeah. that physical aspect is, is almost certainly going to be a big priority. Um, and we've, we've been doing a lot of work at, at Redbacks with the physical and the technical stuff because <laughs> we haven't been able to do contact work. No. But but now you can. And I suppose, yeah, we, we said earlier on about the 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 possibility that people will pick up soft tissue, tissue injuries, particularly those that are susceptible to them. Um, but, you know, the, there's a big difference between having non-contact football and contact football, which, again, just brings up the, the opportunity for injury. But, um, you know, the the short sprint, I think it's in the current situation is probably the best thing we can do. And then if you've got the, the top six, bottom six playoff situation, at least you're playing against teams that are uh, a commensurate level of skill. And I imagine in the in the first season of an NPL for the, the women, there will be a large gap between, you know, the, the top four and the bottom four. Yeah, well, and uh, I'm, I'm not sure about top four, bottom four in the women, but... The like in the men's NPL certainly the top six bottom six idea is a good one and um, the the idea of it being a sprint is exactly what we we need to, to sort of I guess process and make sure that our training and everything lines up with it um, and I think like I said even in the night series the the teams who were, were possibly unfashionable um, or or fairly new new to the league like Suviaco were very very competitive they. In, in the first two night series games, um, I think they beat Perth and they were 2-1 up against Melville, which was yeah. the old, a lot of the old Queen's Park girls until about the 70th minute. Yeah. So anybody can beat anybody on their day and everybody is going to need to make sure that they're on the ball right from the start because anyone who's not, it, it's the losing a game or two is now exaggerated because of a shortened season. Yeah. No, I, I thought Subiaco were always going to do reasonably well. Whilst they're new to the top tier, they, they've been around women's football for a long time. So the, in that respect, they do actually know what they're doing because it, it is a, a very different methodology coaching females. Yeah, oh, certainly. You, you, can't, you can't treat female players the same as the way that you treat male players. Um, that's not to say that you can't coach them in a very similar fashion, and I think some people, some coaches are better than others at at working and and, and coaching women as compared to coaching men. Um, but and and I think that is a big thing as well moving forward is that football West have been in the past looking to improve the level of coaching in in the game here in Perth and, and specifically in the women's game. Um, yeah, the more good coaches that we have, the the better off we're going to be. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we need to also uh, develop female coaches. And I've got no argument about yourself and other people being males involved in, in women's sport. But when you see some of the, the coaches coming through, Tanya Oxterby, you know, is doing a wonderful job in the UK. Um, but I'd like to see a, a development of women's coaches, not just in the women's game, but in the men's game, because very few are able to cross over into the men's game. But there's no reason why a woman can't coach at that level. 
No, well, and I think um, my fiance Annie used to be the the female development officer at Football West, and that was a big push of hers was to try and get. Uh, they did free sea license coaching courses for for any any females who wanted to get into coaching. Um, hopefully, that will continue despite the fact that that she's gone, and and it might take a little while with Football West having had to sort of shelve two thirds or three quarters of their their staff, but. Right. Um, I think, like you said, there's no reason why a good female coach and, and lots of good female coaches can't coach men's teams at the in the Premier League and the the Serie A at, at World Cups. It's it's not a thing that requires you to be a male. Um, and if you're a good coach and you're smart, then it, it it certainly shouldn't be a disqualifying factor in any case. Absolutely. All right, Greg, look, thank you very much for your time on. I'm glad to hear that things are looking up because it's been a long time without um, the, the futsal being played and that uh, you, you're getting back out there on the grass with, with the Redbacks as well. Yeah, I've certainly certainly been a breath of fresh air in, in more ways than one getting back to it. Absolutely, mate. All the best, mate. See ya. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, have a good day. Thank you, you too, Greg. See ya. Bye. Oh, Greg Farrell of West Coast Football. Glad to see he's getting back into business and, and him and everybody else that's got football businesses around. I know there's a lot of players. We, we talked about Steve McGarry earlier who runs his own business on the side um, and there's plenty of other people, Don, that, close to you that do as well. Yep. So They're all you know. getting back. Uh, it's their livelihood, Sean. So yeah. you, you want to see people um, you know, continue to um, meet their commitments and raise their families and put food on the table. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about businesses earlier, but getting back to normality, part yeah, of that yeah. is going back and getting in there. Um, I don't think we've got as much reason to be afraid of, of the, the virus as the rest of the world, mm-hmm. um, mainly because of our isolation. Yeah. And, you know, you look at we've got 30, odd cases in at the moment none of them are in hospital um but they're all people that are coming in from overseas we've also got a premier that's probably the most outstanding premier in australia right now in the way he's uh not just um addressed the issue of covid but the way he's um you know sold us the message oh absolutely we all follow yeah to the letter of the law what our state government's saying because it makes sense yeah and i and i and I don't know what it is that's going to be named after him, whether it's the McGowan Freeway or the, the, the look, McGowan Look, he's blossomed. For centre, me. But yeah, he's, for me, he's just come out in a time of adversity. He's actually blossomed. So oh, look, for, for, for a state premier, he's operating at federal level, which yep. is great. Yep. All right, we're going to go a few messages and we'll be back with Phil Kelly, who is the chair of the State League Standing Committee. Back after these. Gate and Fence Hardware WA is your hardware shop online. Find all the parts you need to fix, make and secure your gates and fences. Friendly staff and family offer advice to help your project along or order in your special part. Gate and Fence Hardware WA. Station Sponsor. Hi, I'm Louis Prospero, Chair of the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia. We're the first sporting Hall of Fame formed in Australia in 1996. The Hall of Fame recognises outstanding individuals in football in Western Australia. 
Join legends such as Sandra Brecknell, Julius Reed and Gareth Nathan at our next Hall of Fame event to celebrate 25 years coming up in 2021. Find us on Facebook and on the web as the Football Hall of Fame Western Australia keep up to date with events and regular stories from our team of journalists and committee members. The Football Hall of Fame Western Australia, recognising the Western Australia football community. The top station on your radio dial, Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM. All right. Um, joining us in the studio now is Phil Kelly of the State League Standing Commission. Good morning, Phil. How are you? Good morning, Sean, and good morning, Don. Good morning, Phil, and great to have you in here, mate. And uh, you're at the coalface of what's going on uh, at club level uh, and just chatting off here. Um, yeah, no, look, it's been interesting. It's, it's been interesting an interesting times, yeah. week because, you know, you, you look at what's going on, you're the same as me, Don. You, you yep. get on Facebook, you see what's going on, and yeah. according to the people in Facebook, um, Football West have imposed this um, new season format of 11 games, 6 and 6, mm. um, on us without any consultation whatsoever, and it's not what people want. So, um, Phil, what's your view? Yeah, it was slightly different to Facebook, um, as it tends to be, I guess. I think it's amazing, really. If you think about how lucky we are in Australia, we had bushfire experts, we had virus experts, and oh. we've got an, an infinite amount of local football experts on Facebook as well. Yeah, well, we so should be a, the best league in the, in the, in in the, the universe. Yeah. Really. So um, we're very fortunate um, to be where we are. But look, um, it's fair to say that the consultation um, was fairly direct from Football West and it was direct to clubs. Um, they asked some very simple questions. When, when competition looked as if it was likely to come back, and obviously there was a period where we weren't sure, right? Yeah. Uh, but when competition looked like it was going to return, um, obviously we knew it wasn't going to return in the same fashion as we used to, right? So we had to ask some – well, Football West had to ask some very direct questions and questions went, went out to clubs off. direct to the um, – state league clubs in this particular instance yep. and it went to the MPL clubs as well. Yep. Um, basically, you know, would could you operate in a reduced capacity and reduced season? If we did have a reduced season, would you support promotion and relegation? If not, why not? If you do support promotion and relegation, explain, you know, you argue why um, you think it's important, all those things. And there was an overwhelming response that came back, um, well, majority response, I should say, um, that came back from um, state league clubs in particular. And the majority were in support of having a shortened season without promotion and relegation. That, that's just a fact. Now, there are some clubs out there, and look, if you're in a club right now, put some pressure on your club, ask them the question, what did you say in the survey? Go and ask them the question. Because there are eight state league clubs out there mm. that failed to respond. That's a problem. Yeah. Engagement is, is a And that's always the problem, right? Because yeah. it usually apathy. is. There apathy. always is this apathy around state league clubs. So if you're a player or if you're a coach or if you're a committee member that's sitting out there now and wondering what your club mm. voted for in a survey, go and ask them, go and challenge them on it. Yeah. Um, because there's eight clubs that didn't. And if those eight clubs had voted one way or another, it would have well, potentially example, influenced if they, it. If those eight clubs had all voted for promotion relegation, 
then could have tipped it. It could have, right? And but the but the problem is, is the majority that did take the time to complete the survey yeah. were in support of not only um, the promotion and relegation being removed from competition, mm. but a shortened season in pretty much the same format that we got. It's, it, it was fairly consistent across the board yeah. that people said, "Let's play around. Let's then split it into two conferences and do something." Yeah. Right? And I think that was fairly well. Supported, and I suppose also when you look at it, no matter what the state league wanted, mm. the MPL state league or standing committee had decided they didn't want relegation. <laughs> so even if the state league had opted for yeah. promotion, look, I think and we got an unfortunate position. We can only talk about history, right? Yeah, and there is a there has been a disappointing history in this state mm. of um, support or lack of support for relegation from the top league. Yeah, right. So. That's no surprise, okay? And, I, and I'll and i be honest with you, if I was sitting in the Premier League as well, I'd be saying the same thing. So I don't criticise those people for that. Um, I don't like it and I don't have to like it. And the state league clubs obviously are very for promotion and relegation. However, in this environment that we're currently in, I think we need to be a bit sensible. We need to probably look inwardly a bit. We need to look and protect the integrity of clubs, the integrity of competition. And there is this massive um, potential. And I mean, look, it's not that, that big a potential, but a what if we do have a second wave of infection. Yeah. Or if it's, and even if it's isolated, it might not be a second wave. It may just be one club which falls over I, as I a result of this. I see this very much as a survivor season. And, you know, the whole point of this year is to get something happening where we can all survive till next year. And it's not just the clubs. That's also um, Football West and the FFA. We, mm. We've all just got to survive through this till we get... Well, actually, you know what, and it's fair to say that, um, look, FFA and Football West are absolutely fighting for survival. They're not... Of course they are, right? Yeah. There's, no, there's no doubt about that. I mean, um, and clubs will be fighting for survival There's as been, well. a, been a lot of chatter around Football West costs and that why they, they, they're only providing part of the season, they should reduce it. I, mm. I don't see that the FFA costs or the Football West costs change, whether it's a 16-game season or a 40-week season, the costs will be exactly no. the same. Well, you know, Sean, I've, I mean, I've spoken with you about this exact issue and I, I agree with you completely. The, the fixed costs are what they are with FFA and Football West and um, they've don't changed they've not changed in the last you know 10 or yeah. 15 years right um, and if you play one game of football you're up for your 150 dollars or whatever it is these days yeah um, in player fees but and that's what you need to pay take that forward now people are also now looking for a reduction in club costs mm. so and, uh, and again yeah. club costs are pretty yeah. much on fixed that, on that note I mean is Football West just um, running what's being uh, said by the clubs here or are they consulting with other member federations like Football Victoria who are mm. very, very, for me, they're probably the best. Um, oh, uh, they're leading the way. Well, they, uh, well, they've made the announcement this week. They're, they obviously have a very good financial support package across their competition. But so does Football, Queensland, yeah, Football Queensland yeah. were offering support to yeah. clubs last week that they engineered mm. through their state government. Yeah. Um, Victoria doing the same it's something we should be doing. Yep. I, I mentioned oh. it to Mick Murray weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. The the funding that's available through um, Lotteries West, I've mm. been through that. Mm. Up until recently, there hasn't been anything that any club could actually apply for. No, it'd be very, and it'd be very difficult for clubs to meet the requirements of, yeah. of the Lottery West grants, um, which are fantastic, by the way. And and Football West most certainly would have applied. I know. Look, they they will they will 
meet the criteria for the people that meet the criteria and, and great yeah. for those. But those, those grants were more pitched at, at association level. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and clubs that had invested significant amounts of money in an event or a competition yeah. or, or something. a carnival or, or something, something like that. that yeah. They couldn't or an overseas deliver trip. Be, because of COVID, yeah. right? And and they could have been reimbursed under under, yeah. under those grants, which is fantastic. But there'd be very few clubs in my mind that would, that would qualify for that. But it's interesting you raised the point about FFE, FFE mm. and Football West and, and funding. And I can tell you right now, Football West have been talking about providing financial relief to clubs mm-hmm. um, for weeks, right? Yeah. So they are absolutely, and I'm, and I'm 100% confident that Football West are doing everything that yeah. they can to provide that relief to but, clubs. The but, problem is, is that where does that money come from? Yeah, but, but also to, to quote um, Jerry Maguire, show me the money. Mm. But, but that's what Football West are probably – I mean, look, I feel for them in a, in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, don't, I can't see Football West balance sheet. I, can't, I don't know specifically what it is, but, no, you, no, can but make, it, you can make but some it, fairly educated guesses. But go through the machinery look. of it. They're, they're reliant on um, players and clubs to nominate and to pay their fees. Mm. If they don't have people paying their fees, then they don't know what they've got. So, therefore, to put a figure forward is going to be very difficult Absolutely. until people commit. Mm. Um, people aren't willing to commit because they don't know what they're going to get. Well, that, so, and, that's, and that's the overwhelming feedback. I mean, I'm getting it yeah. internally in my own club. And this is more at the so this is more at the community level, right? And what we consider community level, yeah. so not state league, NPO, and all those sorts of things. So this is, you know, socials, metros, women's yeah. that type of thing. Um, the overwhelming feedback we're getting from clubs, and, and I'm seeing in my own club, is well, how much a fee is going to be, and. Yeah. And well, that's, that's a difficult question to answer right yeah. now. The hip pocket is where people are getting hurt while they're, mm. you know, oh, look, and, and readjusting to life. And out there in life. club land, there yeah. are people who've been furloughed. There are people who are yep. getting job keeper. Yep. There are people who've lost their jobs. Mm. They've lost their businesses. Yep. Um, and to get them to commit to club fees without knowing what they're going to get in return, or even, in, to, I mean, particularly for the women who um, still feel that they're second class and, and the the money for play, them playing football within a household income is not high on the list. Mm. Uh, and we've, we've got to make it accessible. Football must be accessible. 100%. And that's, it, that's where the help's needed, right at the grassroots. Kids, women. Um, so our problems haven't changed, yeah. right? Our, our problems of the last 50 years haven't yes, changed. Yeah. But it's really brought this problem into the in, in, into a head right now because um, now we do have an issue where, you know, we've been – the highest participation sport for some time, right? Yeah, that and, and the growth in women's football has been massive. Of course, but this this can stall it all. Yeah, so we need to get this right, yeah. and it's not just. I mean, and this isn't just FFA, Football West, clubs. It's every single person yeah. within yeah. the structure of football. But I suppose when in, you, you say this about your, your fees and that, I mean, obviously, I, I saw one club, an NPL club, the other day, put out notice that everyone's fees to be paid. They they've not said anything about a, re, a reduction in fees. No, but the the thing is that your fees are an investment in your club. Now, if you are invested in your club mm. and you are an active participant in your club, then by all means, you, you're going to pay your fees, whatever they are. I mean, I, I spoke about my Glory membership recently. I'm not worried about it because I support the club. Mm. Um, the same with with my um, home club. I'll support them in yep. any way I so, can. And it's a really good point because – what we need, what I guess, and this is a this again not a new issue. We have this 
I guess it's a subscription model in football where you pay your fees, fee-for-service type of arrangement, yeah. right? So you pay um, an agreed fee to participate in 22 games of whatever level of football that it is. And, you know, for some people that's value at $200. For some people it's value at $700. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then obviously the, the initial question that comes to mind when you're, when you're thinking along those minds is that, you know, well, if I'm only playing 16 games this year, then what's 22 divided by? Yeah. Uh, what, what's th- what's $500 divided by 22 times 16? Yeah, That's my 20, fee. A 25% reduction. But I tell you, but yeah. I tell you this: before a state league one, and this one state league, I've done these numbers over over and over and over. Right, state league one will cost every single state league one club somewhere between 30 and 40 thousand dollars yeah. to participate. Before they kick a ball, yeah, you know, basically that's that's your fixed that's your cost fixed for the cost, year, yeah. right? That's not paying players, no. That's not paying council fees. Mm. That's not buying kit, right? Mm. Not buying balls and equipment. It's thirty to forty thousand dollars for one. Now MPL will be slightly more, State League Two will probably be slightly less, but we're probably only talking the balance of maybe five or six grand, right? Yeah. Either way. That's before a ball's kicks. That's before you open your bar, yeah. before you charge fees, before you have your canteen, right? Yeah. That cost. You're not getting needs, a twenty-five percent discount. Well, probably not, right? And and we really need to be realistic about yeah. that, right? Now, sponsorships down, bar revenue absolutely is going yeah. to be down. Now, great news: most clubs are probably going to be able to open their open their bars and canteens, but it yeah. will be at a limited capacity. Um, from midnight last night, we can have a hundred in our club room, mm. um, but that's not enough. Right yeah. to actually sustain the types of businesses that we have here, we need to be having you know functions. Yep. Uh, I mean, we've we've probably missed out on, from my own club's perspective tens of thousands of dollars of revenue yeah. um, and higher fees that we yeah. would have normally have had by now that we use to subsidise yep. the season ahead. Absolutely, that's not there anymore. So no. I, I come back to this subscription model where people um, pay a fee for a service and. We, we really need to get away from that. We need people to be involved in their club, you know, and pay your fee, but don't think of it as a as a subscription. Think of it literally as an investment, as an investment in your club. Yeah. If you can't invest financially, invest emotionally, invest, invest operationally, like go in there and oh, help. I mean, I, going, yeah. going back, you know, 40 years where, where um, one of the complaints was that people drop their kids off at the game and then, you know, it, when the game's playing, I can't get a, a dad or a mum to run a line. Mm. Uh, even mm. those little bits of engagement need to come back in. And we're going to need that more than ever because clubs are going to have a tough – you've got a tough year ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And probably a tough couple of years yeah. ahead. And what we need to do is we need to build them to be those – and we talk about it. We talked about it all through the break, yeah. right, of them being these community hubs that are so important to mental health and to um, the strength of the community. Mm. I think we have lost that a bit over the last five or ten years. Honestly, yep. if we can bring that back and have and 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 lift clubs, well, as Don said, it's it's a reset of the clock, and we Correct. need to reset 100%. all the priorities. Um, I mean, for me this year, we we spoke about it before. Um, a lot of the players who expect payment on. Uh, a state league game mm. are also tradies who could be working that morning. They've got to give up a morning's work yep. to to go and play football in the afternoon. Some of those are self-employed businessmen who haven't been working, who now need to get their income going, who, who don't have a choice about working. They have to work. Um, and either they work and play or they they don't play on Saturday, they play on Sunday with their mates. Correct. Yeah, and, and that's another challenge. I mean, this is a 
It's a tough season ahead so because that, it isn't so much in it. So we call this season just a development season. Well, we might, for the well, sake of giving it some sort of name. Look, there's always going to be there's always going to be competition. And there's always going to be egos and all these things, right? But it is. But you're playing it, for but nothing. But it is. You are playing for nothing, you're right? Playing for nothing. Well, and, it's either the know. COVID comp or the survivor season <laughs> for me. But <laughs> we've we've all got to get our heads around that, yeah, right? Because yeah. it is literally for nothing and. You can argue whether that is a good thing or not. And will our best players be out there playing the game? Maybe not. Maybe not. Right, and that, and and that's something we probably need to get used to. And there's lots of reasons why. I mean, yep. a player might not want to risk getting injured. He might yep. he might have other he might have conflicting priorities. So um, usually, finances. It's usually mm. like it, the the guys that play for the the bigger money, are obviously. Worth, well, arguably, but they're not playing for the money. No, no one is they, making no, one, no one's making no one's making a fortune but, out of playing in WA. Whatever that's money sure. they're getting paid is compensating them for work that Correct. they could be doing, yeah. and and their livelihood there. Yeah. But in state league land, we do have. I mean, already we've got some clubs out there that are at critical levels of sustainability, mm. um, and that's on a number of fronts. It may be financial. It yep. may be players, yep. it may be committee, it may be volunteers and that's a massive and I problem for us going forward. the lack of clarity though now is this This is a very different season, um, mm. you know, the survivor season is there. Um, what happens if a club goes, you know, look, we, we've got a lot of tradies who are not working, I, do, I just don't have enough players to sustain a team for this year. Mm. What happens to them yep. if it's NPL or State League? Yeah, and I... Look, this is this is a lot of the feedback I'm getting from from state league clubs, and this yeah. is the exact feedback that I've put through to Football West is that um, we need to obviously protect the integrity of competition of our 18s reserves and first team um, leagues for this year as well. However, there does need to be some flexibility. So we're already talking at a state league standing committee level of making numerous recommendations about um, the. You know, obviously, we've we've got some fairly archaic. Well, I guess high penalties for not fielding teams. Yeah. We need to be flexible with that approach. Now, we can't say you can just not field a team yeah. because that's unacceptable. But this mm. isn't a year to no. be penalising uh, no. the, the football family. It's no. a year of understanding Absolutely. But it's a fine line, a fine right? Because I can but, guarantee you, if, I, if we were to say right now – don't worry about 18s, for example. Yeah. Um, it's a non-compulsory league. We'll probably only have three teams. Yeah. And, it, and that would just be because it'll just drive the interest level down and people won't make any effort. Yeah. So we've got to be very careful um, to protect the integrity of competition as well. But, you know, rather than the financial penalties, there's a loss of points which could, you know, seriously hamper a, a team for the following yeah. season. But, but it doesn't really have an impact this year, right? No. So, I mean, so loss of points might be might be an option. Um, there, there are other... Um, there are other other considerations as well that we could probably could probably bring in as well. But these are, yeah. these are just some of the things that are floating around at the moment um, that, that we need to probably try and resolve because it will be it will be pretty difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the thing is that people have got to realise that this is um, a business, and that as much as players want to play. Every game costs money. Someone has to pay for the grass that they mm. they play on. Yeah. Someone's got to pay for the shirts and you know the referees and all of those things. And not not everybody can afford to take a hit. Now, Football West can't take a hit. The FFA can't take a hit. Clubs can't take a hit. Mm. Councils can't take a hit. Yeah. So, someone. Yeah. Well, to be honest, somewhere. councils probably are the ones in this scenario that probably could. Right. Yeah. Now, and, and I think the. From all the the conversations that I've had with local councils, uh, and they've been extensive, I think 
that there is going to be some relief for winter sports yeah. from council, which is fantastic, mm. and and it's great that. But if um, we go back to Queensland and and Victoria, who've been able to secure some funding through state government, mm. um, if that was able to be secured by Football West lobbying government, mm-hmm. and we divvied up some money between the clubs, um, you know, and for one of a figure, if if every club was to get a ten grand. Um, COVID payment mm. that would go a massive way to to covering some of the costs. Yeah, look, and and we need to make ways of you know ensuring that those, those funds are going to the right place. Like we wouldn't, yeah. for example, you wouldn't want those funds going to play pay players and all those sorts of things. Is yeah. like not certainly not. In but the most clubs run on a shoestring. Not many clubs are, are making a huge profit, particularly out of children, but out of anyone. They they make a modest profit out of players. Well, if you're very, doing your well, business very right. few clubs make profit. Yeah, but, and I mean, and like that. Yeah, there is a lot of talk, obviously, about um, registration fees, paying players, and it's it's a bit of a furphy because most of yeah. those player wages budgets come from sponsorships, Correct. right? Yes. Correct. Um the the player fees basically cover your running costs. Cover your running costs and and I mean I've I ha- I can't really imagine most clubs would be using junior player fees to pay players wages. It just doesn't work that way. Now it certainly might be used to to fund your your funding models at your club um, to ensure you've got good solid cash flows at the beginning of the season. But yep. look there's and, and get paid back we, in either coach development yeah, or facilities. We get stuck on this player payments um, story a lot. Yeah. And it's the it's the least of clubs issues honestly. It's yep. particularly now. Player payments is not at the forefront. But of a openness club's mind. and accountability. If if you if your club won't tell you where the money's going, that that's what drives that. Well, if you go right, here's here's the cost breakdown. Yep. For what it costs to put little Johnny on the park, mm. and the fee that you're paying is seventy five percent of what it actually costs the club to put him on the grass. Yeah. This is the thing. This is back. This is back to making your clubs accountable. And as a member. That's your job. Your job is to keep your club accountable. Absolutely. So if you're paying a fee, and if that if that fee is $100 or if that fee is $10,000, your club needs to justify what your money is going towards. Oh, absolutely. Right? And you've got every right. And the two things you can do, you can challenge them on it and fight them on it yeah. and come on committee and change it, right? Yeah. Or you can find another club that True. you're happy to pay whatever fees and justify it at. Shop yeah. around. There's plenty exactly. of clubs out there. We don't do that enough. And like it's back to that subscription model again yeah. where we're just happy to pay a fee for a service, for a babysitter or whatever it might be. Yeah. And for some people it's pretty cheap because daycares are expensive, right? It's uh, a lot cheaper. I can tell you from, from my youngest son's examples that it's a lot, lot cheaper than dancing. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. So like – and this is back to that accountability, back to what clubs need. And what football needs is people to be involved in their clubs. Absolutely. And in any level. Now, whether that's financially. I suppose then that, that opens me up to one more thing. Another bugbear of mine is mm. that there's um, affiliation fees that we play for competitions. And I think, you know, the uh, Premier Amateurs is what, four or five hundred bucks. State League's about five or six thousand. The NPL's 12 grand. But we, there's no actual. Um, feedback from Football West where, where that goes. Mm. Now, if you look at it, $72,000 for NPL and for the State League, is that for advertising the game? Is that for promotion of the game? Is it for development of the game? Yep. Or is it just goes into general revenue and is utilised to run Football Good West? Bonuses. It's never come up in conversation, right? But I yeah. bet you it will, it will now, right? Yeah. And, well, it's just a question. And, we're, we're asked to be accountable for the money we charge. And I, and I, and I think it's a reasonable question. Yeah. Um, we should be asking... I mean, and 
same to FFA. Like, and the FFA fee, let's be honest, is very modest. It's a pittance. Right, it's a pittance of what of fees are. But over a million and a half players. Correct. Yeah, it's a lot, it's a lot of money. But we should, be, we should be asking the question about where yeah. the funds go and how they're utilised. It yeah. would be great to get feedback from a club like Belga who put that initiative out for fee-free football. It was interesting enough. One of the people I approached this morning was Ken Shorto, uh, who's going away this weekend, so he wasn't able to come on. But that's so that, exactly the line I was taking. That, that club is probably the model, if it works right, hmm. that everyone else Because exactly. I spoke to a club over in New South Wales or an NPL club who are doing exactly that. Yeah. Um, but it's... it's the thing is, it's dependent on the funding. The funding comes from sponsors. If your sponsors have gone out of business, they no longer exist. That's right. What does that say for your fee for free? Yeah. Also, the Balga model was also based on people being engaged with the club and, and doing jobs like, you know, collecting the money at the gate or yeah. uh, running the bar or, or just helping yeah. running lines and That's things. It. But, you know... It still has to be paid by someone. Someone has put their hand in their pocket, pull out a fistful of dollars and pay for it. Well, it this game is not free. Well, no. I've seen that on their website they've got sponsorship announcement, Mirabook and Mechanical and Tyres uh, sponsorship announcement, Access Projects and Construction yeah. sponsorship announcement, Zeta Grid. So it is, like you say, very, very, um, you know, um, dependent on on sponsors and in tough times will they still be there and and in tough times is it the responsibility now of government or councils who m- m- city of sterling for yep. example is one of the biggest cashed up councils in Australia. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. they're sitting on a pile of money that they've made out of t- uh, yeah. rates and taxes rates, yeah. that all the people in that, that area. It's time for that to be. Hmm. But but back. also, Don, you, you yeah. mentioned about the, the sponsors there. Um, find out, engage with your club, find out who their sponsors are, yeah. and, and then deal with those people. Support the support the people that support your club. That's right. You know, doesn't but again, there's apathy, right? And there's apathy in local councils because I'll be honest with you. Mm. I mean, well, how many people challenge their local councils on how they spend their money? Very few. Yeah, and it's, it's the same thing. It's always allowed people yep. that make a mess, and yep. usually they're dog walkers or. Or, or something similar, right? Yep. And they make a lot of noise yep. and they're the minority. Yep. Now, yep. We, there's something else that we need to learn from this process is, is, is Look, making councils I've been singing it loud yeah. for a lot, a lot of time. We as football, as a community, need to grow up. We need to understand that within our local councils, we actually ex- exercise a lot of power and influence over a large number of voters mm. and the councillors need to know that. Also, at, at state government level we have the same thing we've got large amount of numbers numbers of voters and they need to listen to those people and on a federal level yep. we yeah. still influence a large group of people we, and we and don't know this we've grown up that we need yeah. to be led by football west in mm. conjunction with uh, club representatives 100% yes. absolutely but problem with football is i know that we're very very inclined to challenge each other yeah. internally yeah and if we just directed that attention yeah. and passion yeah. well, towards a different area yeah, to collectively together. We win for a change. Yeah. But exactly. one of our mantras is I will hate you for 180 minutes of the year, mm. but for the rest of that time we have got to be united Correct. and we've got to work as a group. Absolutely, couldn't. Football United is the only way we're going to win. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time, Phil. Very interesting discussion mm. and I'm sure it's not the last we'll hear of it. <laughs> sure. And we'll, and we'll no, keep going. So we'll be back, or I'll be back in another couple of weeks to to solve the problems of the world again. <laughs> um, Don, thank you very much for your time. Always Penny's back on on next week, and I love that shirt that that Bobby Moore. Beautiful.
you know, special edition shirt that you're wearing there. Absolutely, the mate. So I was checking out. that out as well. It's, it's a, very resplendent. It is. Sean's wearing it like he's ready to go out on the park and, you know, keep the Absolutely. hammers up. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, number six on the back, everything. This is the, the Bobby Moore Memorial shirt. So, yeah, en- enjoy rocking the look. How's, Dag- just, how's Dagenham Motors going these days? Are they still around? <laughs> Who cares? Who cares? The <laughs> still there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, won't, I won't be troubling that sponsor for sure. And, and, and I won't be doing Betway either because I'm, I'm not a gambler. But, you know, out of that, that's the way it is. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Len is on with the jazz program next. Um, looking forward to that. So um, thank you all for listening. And I'll be back in a fortnight. Penn is back next week. This has been the World Football Program. Everyone out there, get into it. Join us again next week at the same time for the World Football Program on Radio Fremantle 107.9 FM.